Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. This week, we'll be discussing how to respond when everyone thinks your toxic ex is brave and amazing, where to turn when your absentee dad has done psychedelics and forgiven himself a little too enthusiastically, and what to do when you can't stop making bitchy comments to your dog. Here to help me out is the writer and comedian Maeve Higgins. She's the author of books including Tell Everyone on This Train I Love Them and Maeve in America, essays by a girl from somewhere else. She's a panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and co-hosts the weekly stand-up comedy show Butter Boy. Welcome, Maeve. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, I have to mention, you know, my mom, who likes to be called Prudy <laughs> Senior, yeah. is one of your biggest fans, mostly based on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And when I told her you were coming on the show, she sent me a text that said, she's 41 and she's an Aries. Like, she knows everything she, about yeah, you. Yeah, she sent like a little, like, potted biography of me that I found so funny and charming. Yeah, and a link to one of your comedy shows. Yeah, and she kind of like directed you to a piece of my stand-up that's online yeah she's kind of my hype woman I hope that's okay even though you're her daughter (laughs) we both love you so say hi to Prudy Senior hi Prudy Senior and thanks for (laughs) (laughs) thanks for the invitation to Thanksgiving that I'm pretty sure is coming up soon we would absolutely love to have you believe me Mm -hmm. we could use some buffers before we get started I want to ask you for a piece of unsolicited advice so I wish I could credit who said this. Maybe you'll remember. This is not from me, okay? But it's something I heard and it's go where you're wanted. Mm. And it's something I always try and remember in every aspect of my life. Even though I definitely like push myself and try new things and do things that are difficult. Ultimately, I think going where you're wanted, whether that's in your career or your romantic life or even your family life will save you so much trouble and make your life so much just easier. I love that advice. I feel like I've seen something similar on Instagram memes paired with the statement that like, okay, if you're a bottle of water, you might cost 25 cents at the grocery store, $2 at the gas station and $9 on a flight. So your value changes depending on where you are. So go where your value is high. Oh, and that's exciting to hear that you're going to launch your own brand of bottled water. (laughs) I was going to wait until the end to announce it. But yes, stay tuned. (laughs) That's just so like you, Janae. Maeve and I will dive into your questions after a short break. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, That's slate.com forward slash prudy plus. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence. I'm here with Maeve Higgins. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled Tired of Jane. Dear 
My husband has two adult children from two previous relationships, John and Jane. John is a delight to have stay over. He will bring flowers or offer to cook or just make a thoughtful gesture. Jane is anything but. She will come, sit down like a bump on a log and expect to be catered to. She won't even say thank you. The few times I've spoken to Jane about her behavior, she gets defensive and says it's no big deal. Then she picked a fight with her brother and father. When my parents were declining, I bought a condo in my native city. It's a very popular place to visit, and I rent it out when we don't use it. John and his fiance are struggling to pay for their wedding. My gift was the free use of the condo for their honeymoon. Only Jane had to ruin the gesture by pestering me about when she and her friends use it. Not even an ask. I told Jane when she finally learned some manners, I would consider it, beginning with saying please. Jane got upset and ended up making very ugly remarks towards me and her brother. John got fed up and basically uninvited Jane to the wedding if she continues to act this way. Now it's a big mess with people taking sides. My husband is angry with me and is asking if maybe I could just let it go because I know how Jane gets. I know exactly how Jane gets. I am tired of how Jane gets. A nearly 30-year-old woman that acts like a sulky teenager because I asked her to take out the trash and set the table while I was cooking Thanksgiving dinner and her brother was baking. I am asking for the bare minimum of civility here. Please advise. So this letter combines a couple of big themes, at least in the Prudy inbox. Um, Number one, blended families, particularly those that are formed when the children are older where people mm-hmm. simply do not like each other or get along or like feel a loving relationship outside of the two people who got married. Two, people making demands to stay in each other's homes and vacation properties. This happens all the time and I find really? it so, so weird. Yeah, it's like, it's an ongoing issue. Anyway, that said, I kind of think Jane is not that unreasonable to show up somewhere as a guest and not want to take the trash out and set the table. Mm -hmm. Am I off on that? Yeah, it's just a strange position because I guess if you, I think it's it's related to the age like that you mentioned that the Mm -hmm. kids are often older now. So she's not like a kid. It's not really like her stepmom. It's just like the lady her dad is married to. Right. I mean, can you imagine going over to see your dad and this woman And you're like, oh, I'm going for dinner. And the woman goes, hey, take the trash out and set the table. (laughs) Like, I understand that her brother John was baking and he seems to feel like he's a part of the household. And that's a really nice gesture. But I don't think it's that weird to be upset about this strange woman telling you to take her garbage out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. John is really showing her off, isn't he? He's like baking and, you know, having a big family wedding and getting everybody excited about it. And then this girl is just like, oh. Well, at least this new lady has a condo in this cool place, right. so I can go there. And then you're like, what do you mean I can't go there? My brother's going there. I think Jane was wrong. I think I like her a lot more than the letter writer likes her. And I don't think she's mm. terrible. And I understand why she's acting like a sulky teenager. But sort of an ongoing point I make in this column is that you just cannot demand other people's money or other people's homes. Like, that's just <laughs> not how our world works. You can't do it. Yeah. 
Is there any merit to like trying to work on their relationship or if it's only going to be like a once or twice a year thing, you know, is there any point in like them trying to find common interests or because like telling someone you better just say please and like then the other person being mean and bossy too, that's going to be horrible for everyone. Right. I mean, I definitely don't think the way to fix the relationship is to say, when you learn some manners, I'll consider Mm -hmm. letting you go to the vacation house. I mean, the letter writer is talking to Jane like she's 11, not Mm -hmm. almost 30. So I do wonder if you're onto something, like, I wonder if their relationship could be improved if the letter writer tries to relate to Jane as like an adult acquaintance instead of a teenage child. You know what, like, sent chills through me is when, like, the family have all taken sides and, like, it's mm-hmm. starting to affect the wedding. Mm-hmm. That's so scary. And, like, you don't want to be the cause of that. Right. And poor John. He's just sitting there being delightful, baking and trying to plan a <laughs> wedding that he can't really afford and getting some help. And now everyone's going to be fighting. <laughs> His sister's going to end up going on honeymoon with him, it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I think, I know the letter writer won't want to do this, and I'll be very clear, she doesn't have to. Um, I always Mm -hmm. tell people, like, you don't have to do anything. But would it really cost you anything to let Jane use the house as a Mm -hmm. way of kind of being the bigger person and making a nice gesture to get the relationship on a better track? Is that reasonable? Yeah. I mean, I have the, like... When it comes to property and having people who have second homes, mm-hmm. I think they should absolutely have them open all of the time mm-hmm. and have somebody staying in them all the time. I hate the idea of like empty places and then like people who can't afford it, like not having vacations or not having trips. So I actually have like kind of a hard line <laughs> about that. So you're actually like, no, Janae, she actually does have to let Jane stay there. It's the right thing to <laughs> yes. do. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think, again, it's like, what will it cost you? I don't know, like a few days of water and utility payments. It's basically mm-hmm. a free gesture for you. You don't have to be around Jane. You can come off as the good person. And here's how I would frame it. Do it as a gift to John. Because mm-hmm. by repairing your relationship with Jane by this gesture that you don't have to make, well, Maeve would mm-hmm. say you do, but I would say you have an option. You can be the bigger person you could um, sort of smooth things over so John and his fiance, who are lovely, can have a nicer wedding. Yeah, and everybody wins. Yeah, and it's not about Jane learning manners. It's about Jane mm-hmm. feeling welcomed and feeling valued. And I think if you're able to make this gesture to set the relationship on a better track, you might encounter a Jane who has, quote unquote, better manners. Because she'll want to go back. Yeah, Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. She's going to want to bring her friends on an annual vacation there. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, the more I talk about it, the more convinced I am. Give Jane the keys to the house. Let her go. <laughs> yeah. Put out like some nice guest soaps and ma- make it a good time for her mm-hmm. and see if things change. I think they will. Okay. Our next question is titled, No Offense to the Dog. My spouse's mom has recently had a run of health problems. And as a result, we have been caring for her dog for quite some time. The dog is nice and all, but I don't want a dog. I am already overwhelmed with parental responsibilities, elder care, work, and running a household. More and more, I find myself acting out in small ways, i.e. making bitchy comments to the dog, putting the dog in a room by himself all day because I don't want him looking at me. 
I tend to be all in with my relationships, animals included, and I just don't have room for this dog. It makes me feel bad. What are my obligations here? Man, I really feel like if, if you're getting mad at a dog for looking at you and making bitchy comments to them, you're in a really bad place. I Maybe, know. Can you? What do you think the bitchy comments might be? You know what immediately occurred to me was that the dog was like licking its lips because they do that when they're nervous. And the sound mm-hmm. is like so gross to me. So I was picturing this lady being like, stop licking your lips. Or like, stop making mouth sounds, you know. <laughs> oh my God, I hate mouth sounds. That would totally be me. I would excuse her for uh, bitching at the dog for making mouth sounds. But for looking at them, I mean, I know. that's really sweet when a dog looks at you. And, and they say the dog is nice. The dog's not even, this isn't even a story about the dog eating shoes or like, peeing on the carpet or Mm -hmm. scratching things up. It's just they're looking. I know. And I think, you know, it's so much more than the dog, of course. And I feel for the dog because like no dog should be in a room all day by itself. And I'm sure the letter writer knows that too. And that's why they're feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably, I guess, about the the in-laws and like, Mm -hmm. why can't they handle their own responsibilities. Like, I've got enough to do. Right. Or what about the letter writer's spouse? I wrote down, I feel like this is more of a marriage question than a dog question. Yeah. Because the spouse's mom has these health problems. That's why they have the dog. And the letter writer is overwhelmed with parental responsibilities, elder care, work, and running a household. Where is the spouse in all of this? I feel like if the spouse was being a little more helpful with like running the household, taking care of the children, all of that, maybe the dog would not feel quite so overwhelming and horribly annoying. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm not married. And I always wonder about that because I have friends who are like, the point of being married is that like, we're a team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, it's by its nature, it's kind of codependent right because well what I do does impact this person and what Mm -hmm. they do impacts me so I always have that question about like if your spouse has like a difficult parent or or a difficult child or like Mm -hmm. is it not unfair to be like well that's your problem like you came with that so you deal with that yeah I totally think marriage I think there's a lot of different ways to have a marriage and Mm -hmm. some marriages are very much that's your problem this is my problem And maybe that goes hand in hand with like, you have your money, I have my money, you know? Right. You have your bedroom, I have my bedroom, whatever. Um, And in other marriages, it's like, we're on the same team. And in other marriages, one person takes care of all the problems, another person just lives their life. And that's what I think is happening here. You know what's an interesting line in the letter? I tend to be all in with my relationships, animals included. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if being all in in the marriage is part of what's making this letter writer feel like they have to take care of everything on their own. Oh, that's so astute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you don't need to be all in with this dog. You just have to make sure that it gets two little walks a day and like Mm -hmm. pet it for a couple of minutes every now and then it won't kill you. Like you don't have to be like the dog savior or anything. Right. I I love the level of detail here. I love giving concrete advice. So... (laughs) Two little walks a day, <laughs> maybe 10 pets a day. <laughs> yeah. The dog should not be in a room by its... I don't know. I'm, I'm not a pet owner, but I don't think 
dogs probably belong in a room by themselves unless there's like a safety issue. Yeah, they're social. And but, I want to say you mm-hmm. you can make bitchy comments to the dog, <laughs> but not in a loud, scary voice. Because <laughs> let's be honest, the dog doesn't speak English. Yeah. So if you need to release some of this frustration by making bitchy comments, you can do it, but try to do it in a little bit of a, a more sing-songy voice, nothing loud or deep or scary. Oh, that's beautiful. You are a veterinarian on top of everything else. <laughs> yeah, so they so I think the person could quite easily say, "Aren't you a stupid little dog mm-hmm. and your owner is so irresponsible <laughs> and your owner's child who I happen to be married to is a real piece of work." Good boy. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you're still... St- Wait, I'm like taking on your accent as I, as I do the dog voice after you. But yeah, I can't believe you're still staring at me. It's so annoying. Here, have a treat, you know? Do you know how to blink? Can you please blink for crying out loud? Blink! <laughs> exactly. So, like, tomorrow... Those are your instructions. Wake up and, you know, try to get through. But bigger picture, you didn't ask this. You asked what are your obligations. But think about the possibility of putting some more of the um, parental responsibilities, running a household stuff on your spouse and just Mm -hmm. experiment with that and see if the dog looking at you um, feels less overwhelming when maybe like you're not doing all the laundry or Mm -hmm. cooking dinner every night. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show, and when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Maeve Higgins, to answer your letters, and the next one is titled, Not Brave, Still Bitter. My college ex recently came out as gay. Everyone wants to say how brave he was to do so, especially when his family are a bunch of religious zealots. I have very mixed emotions over this. Our relationship was extremely toxic, where he made me feel awful for wanting anything more than hand-holding and kisses on the cheek. He made me feel like a slut and a stupid one at that. That I was betraying our values because I agreed that love and connection were more important than basic attraction, but I still wanted to kiss my boyfriend. He constantly monitored my relationships with other guys and criticized my clothing and makeup. The two times I tried to break up with him, he broke down and threatened to hurt himself because I was the only one for him. The relationship left me emotionally empty and hyper aware of other people's moods. I didn't trust myself to date two years after our relationship ended. Honestly, I'm very angry about how he used and abused me into being his beard and made me live a lie. Only when I bring up my feelings, I get shot down as unimportant and selfish because my ex was so brave to be willing to face his family and tell his truth. I ended up having a nasty fight with my best friend who told me that even if we had gotten married and had kids, I would have no right to be angry with him in today's political climate. And since we didn't, I need to grow up. We dated nearly all four years of college. I look back and I know I lost a lot of experiences by staying with him and it wasn't even real. What do I do here? So I kind of want to pull apart the things the letter writer is mad about. And I think that might help here. Is she angry about the way he treated her, which sounds awful, or that he quote unquote used her to be his beard? Because those are two really different things, right? 
Yeah, really different. I mean, he may not even have been out to himself in college. He was clearly dealing with a lot. Something doesn't sit right with me about the idea that, oh, well, he ended up being gay and he dated me and that was wrong because it was a lie. Well, I mean, like your friend said, there are any number of reasons that in whatever political climate there was at the time, he didn't feel comfortable coming out. I don't think he was out to hurt you by dating a woman. I think that was a symptom of all the things he was dealing with, right? Yeah, like, I don't think he was like in other relationships or anything while they were together. My assumption was that like, he wasn't sure or he wasn't out. And you know, that's I think that's very, very common. So those are two different things used and abused me into being his beard and made me live a lie is like, a very serious <laughs> allegation. <laughs> right. So but I feel like if you take that off the table, you yeah. have a college relationship with someone who was controlling, who was really critical, who was really mean, who manipulated you by threatening to hurt himself. I mean, it's no wonder you're so upset about that. It sounds like a really traumatic experience. And it's no wonder you want some empathy from your friends about that. But I think you're more likely to get understanding if you talk about being in an emotionally abusive relationship, rather than I dated someone who turned out to be gay. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're really angry at somebody, you just like throw the whole like, kit and caboodle at them. Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, so I don't know that that's really what she's feeling. I would imagine that it's more like so horrible four years. And like she mm -hmm. said, she missed out on so much. And it also sounds like she kind of tried to get out and then like he kind of manipulated her to stay yeah. in the relationship. And that's like, that's very hard to get over. Right. I also wonder, like, in talking to your friends all these years later, how often does it really need to come up and be validated that you hate your ex? Like, why is this an ongoing conversation where you're putting things out and needing people to agree with you? Well, because if your ex like her ex did has a success or some mm. kind of, you know, new like leap in their life that, you know, mm -hmm. your community is all aware of and talking about and he's getting all these accolades for being brave, then I imagine that's why, you know, right. she's just like, Ugh. right, he's being celebrated and it feels unfair. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to say how brave he was. But again, like, how often is this happening? I just I can't imagine all of happy hour being dedicated to Oh, this guy's so brave. I can't believe we're all so proud of him. We're going to throw him a party. That's true. Um, it just, I wonder if this is just overblown because the healing that needs to take place over the legitimately yeah. bad part of the relationship hasn't happened, you know? Yeah. And I would suggest that your friend group is not the place to go to for the validation and healing. That's journal and therapist territory. And you don't think that she should ever confront him or speak to him about it? Maybe mm. she has. I don't know. You know what? That did not even occur to me. Mm. She should. Why not? I mean, it sounds like he's evolved and grown in some ways, like whatever it took for him to come out despite his family, you know, being jerks. And he might actually be receptive to like not a long, angry email about how horrible he is, but just, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of this part of what you've done. And I'm honestly still really hurt about some things that happened in our relationship. And I wouldn't mind an apology. It's worth asking. Because I think that would help to give her some clarity. And also, he might be being horrible in his new relationships. That's what I always think. If it's like our responsibility as exes to actually point out like, hey, I know what you did. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one, one possibility is that he's grown and evolved and he's a better person overall. 
And the yeah. other possibility is that he's come out and he's still like a controlling jerk. Right. I do think it's worth noting that in a lot of letters we get, someone has had an awful experience dating someone and the mm-hmm. experience can be tied to something bigger that their dating partner is struggling with, whether it's addiction or untreated mental illness or just one of life's really hard things. Especially when they're young. Yeah, definitely. Especially mm-hmm. around this like college age period. It doesn't make the treatment okay. and It doesn't mean you have to forgive them, but I think it can inspire a little bit of compassion. And if not that, then just like provide some important context for what happened that can make it easier to reflect on. I think, again, just like the part to be mad about is that he was cruel to you and made you feel bad about normal things. I think I think it's a fool's errand to put too much stock in getting the whole friend group to feel the way you feel. It's just probably not a good plan to hinge your happiness on other people. So definitely talk to your friends and explain why you have a hard time celebrating him with a focus on the way he treated you instead of a focus on the fact that he was gay and not telling anyone. For the healing and for the repair, I think you kind of want to go more internal for that. In most situations, you expect that if you were like a little bit wrong, your friends are still going to pretend you were totally right. (laughs) Yeah. I think the friends here are trying to be good people by supporting someone who was, again, in a -hmm. horrible political climate and did something really brave. Um, Yeah. And they're just like, they're putting that above supporting someone who got out of a bad relationship. And I kind of get that. It would be nice to get one person completely on board with you. And I'm sure there's, there's got to be one out there. But again, <laughs> it might be your therapist. That's what we pay them mm-hmm. for. And I do think it's worth noting that we can have really negative, awful experiences with someone while dating them if there's a bigger part of their life that's not completely right, whether it's addiction, untreated mental illness, um, or just some larger problem they're struggling with that's not their fault. It doesn't make the way they treated us okay. It doesn't mean we have to forgive them, but it can provide some really important context for what we went through. This is Dear Prudence. We need to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and advice from us. Stay tuned. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Maeve and I are about to tackle our last question for the day, if Maeve is ready for it. Are you? Yeah, I'm so ready. Also, I'm I'm feeling like, why am I giving advice? (laughs) (laughs) Never ask that question. Never ask that question. Okay, good. That's good advice. (laughs) Um, This letter is titled, What Guilt? I'm the oldest of my father's three children by two decades. My mother was a violent, narcissistic psychopath, so he left us when I was four. I found him at 20. And now, 26 years later, I accept him for his flaws. But it sometimes hurts that my two younger siblings got the good dad, an involved, attentive father who worked doggedly to provide them with everything, including an affluent lifestyle and college paid for. I grew up in abuse and abject poverty. Lately, he did psychedelic therapy with a counselor and has talked repeatedly about how much guilt he's let go of. I cringe when he says this, but it infuriates my wife. Our relationship is one-sided, and lately I dislike dealing with him, but I'm relatively sure bringing up my feelings will trigger an ugly scene. Do you have any suggestions on how to handle this without being the villain? First of all, I want to give you permission to be really mad at your dad. I feel like the letter writer is afraid of having feelings about this. The letter writer is quick to say... I, you know, I accept him for his flaws and I don't want to bring up my feelings. 
let's rewind. And if you don't accept him for his flaws, this man who left you when you were four years old, it's okay. Totally. It's so sad. And yeah, it's so sad and difficult. And I think they are nervous about like talking about their feelings because Mm -hmm. they even say, you know, I'm relatively sure bringing up my feelings will trigger an ugly scene. Mm -hmm. And then that like kind of tells me, well, then the dad isn't right, like isn't quite there yet. Because, you know, if if the dad was, you know, doing okay, and able to cope with things and had forgiven himself, then this person wouldn't feel scared still. Right. It sounds like they went straight from the hurt to like, smoothing things over and sweeping everything under the rug. And I'm not getting the feeling that the letter writer and their dad have like, really put all the hurt and pain and issues on the table and grappled with them and then move forward Mm -hmm. to acceptance. It feels like they fast forwarded through the hard part. Yeah, I guess it's hard, isn't it? Because, you know, ultimately you can, the only person you can change is yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, I think it's great that, that the dad did this work and is feeling better. Um, But it's just, do you think like, especially after having talked about a few of the last letters that like the dad can even provide this person with, you know, some sense of like peace or is it on the letter writer to just work away without the dad? That's a really good question. I was like hopeful that maybe the psychedelic therapy would have unearthed something else, like a desire Mm. to apologize or some sadness or some regret that he could share with the letter writer. I'm not seeing that, but I wonder if anything else surfaced during that experience. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say start with the relationship you want to have with your dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Be less worried about how he feels and more worried about how he treats you and the interactions you have. So right Mm -hmm. now you say the relationship is one-sided and that jumped out at me as something that really calls for attention if you want to have a relationship at all. You know, someone who did psychedelic therapy to me is someone who is at least interested in some kind of self-improvement or self-help, someone who wants something more out of life, right? And wants Mm -hmm. something more out of their emotions. It says he did it with a counselor. I wonder if there's a place for you to sit down with your dad and his counselor Mm. to talk about the feelings that came up for him Maybe if he even talked about the guilt he felt before he let it go. Because I'm not getting the sense that you ever heard about that guilt. And I think just receiving that message and putting that on the table could be really helpful in moving forward. I I just think this is a moment where the father is clearly interested in some kind of evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And some kind of self-help. And maybe the letter writer can like jump in there with the help of the professionals who the dad is clearly willing to engage and see if someone can help facilitate a conversation with them. Oh, that's a great idea. Because then, yeah, you don't want to throw this letter writer into like danger or something or yeah, like what what they're afraid of, like an ugly scene. But yeah, if it was in, in like the correct setting. Also, like I noticed a few times, and this must be so painful that, you know, this person had to face poverty as well Mm -hmm. as being left with this terrible other parent. And then the siblings, you know, got, they were affluent, they, their college was Mm -hmm. paid for. That's all such big, concrete things. Totally. And maybe like, that could be some, that could be a place to start. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the confrontation is not just, 
you let go of your guilt and hearing that pissed me off. I wanted to tell you. Right. But it's really about the entire relationship and all the pain, Mm -hmm. all the disappointment, all the jealousy. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure all of the really difficult feelings the father um, has been grappling with up to this point, it can't feel good to leave a child Mm -hmm. in that kind of condition. It just can't. Yeah. I like the letter writer's wife, Mm -hmm. who's like, you know, on their behalf, the wife is like, I'm furious. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I like her. I like that you pointed that out. I think the wife could be a real source of support here if the father falls down on the job. Like, Mm -hmm. talk to your wife. Have your wife echo how awful this is. Like, you need someone to validate this for you, and and she's doing it. Yeah, and already I feel, like, so impressed by this person because they did have such a rough start, and it Mm -hmm. sounds like it stayed difficult for a long time, but now they have this great partner and they're able to even like look at their dad even just from this small distance and be like this is madness <laughs> totally <laughs> that's impressive that's such a good note that really is impressive congratulations letter writer whatever mm-hmm. your dad does like you've survived what happened to you you've obviously found mm-hmm. a great partner let her be mad for you let her anger be a guide for you about mm-hmm. like what the situation really is and if you're up for it try to find a time and a place to sit down with your dad in a professional and unpack all of this a little more. I'm I'm hopeful that with some guidance, um, you could hear what you need to hear from him. Yeah, and get your dad to pay off his student loans. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Okay, those are all the questions we have for this week. It's been fun and hopefully helpful. Thank you, Maeve. Thank you so much. And I love your show and I learned so much from you. Thanks, Janae. Appreciate it. You can follow Maeve on Instagram at Maeve in America. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks with a special thanks to Maura Curry. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. I'm your Dear Prudence, Janae Desmond Harris. Until next time. 